You guys are here with us today, and we appreciate you making us a part of your day. For you that are watching online, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to spend with us today as we are in this series, Lawbreaker. And today we're excited to look at John chapter number 10 and one of the names of God. When we come to Christian, uh, Christmas, we often think of names of God. I mean, uh, we think of him as our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our prince of peace. You think of Emmanuel, God with us. Those are titles that we hear a lot of times at Christmas. But in the, the scripture, there are almost 200 different titles given to Jesus. When we think of him, we look at him as our Messiah. He says he's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the mediator. He's the light of the world. He's the bread of life. He's the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. And we can go on and on with names of God. But today we come to this passage of scripture and we see where he refers to himself and he says, I am the good shepherd. And when we start thinking about shepherds, um, probably most of us, that doesn't cross our mind a lot in our day-to-day life. In fact, if we come across shepherds, we might feel a little strange. Uh, You know, you go downtown Plymouth this time of year and it's such a, a beautiful place and it's almost like a Hallmark movie and all this stuff. But can you imagine this big herd of sheep or flock of sheep in the middle of uh, Plymouth right now in the park? And you say, oh, how sweet that is until those sheep got moved and you saw the mess that they made. And you have to clean that up, that mess. I, I, as a teenager, I grew up in farm country and I was around sheep a little bit. And sheep are smelly and nasty and leave a mess everywhere they go. And we don't think about this shepherd. And so sometimes when we see Jesus refer to himself as the good shepherd, um, it's not something that we think about that much. But yet John here is writing some things and Jesus really refers to himself. It's not someone else calling him the good shepherd. He's saying, I am the good shepherd. When we look at this passage today, really there are some things that we'll see in it that affect us as Christians to where it's like, oh, that makes sense. That is Jesus in my life. That is what I want Jesus for. That's why I want to follow him. And if you're new to Mile City or maybe today that you are just exploring this whole thing of following Christ and Christianity, can I encourage you that I promise you will be encouraged by what you hear out of this passage today about Jesus being the good shepherd of our life. Because you picked a good week to be here of why it's good that we follow Jesus and why it's good that we pursue him in our life. And we talk about why he did come so many years ago and we celebrate this Christmas season. So today we're going to be in John chapter 10 together. But before we jump into it, could we just take a moment and pray together? Lord Jesus, we come to you today and we're grateful for scripture. We're grateful that we can hear from you through the word of God. God, we're grateful people in seeing these give their life to you and follow you in baptism and the step that they were willing to take, Lord, and how exciting that is in their life. And God, we come to you a grateful people today. We're thankful for this Christmas season where we celebrate your birth. I just ask over the next few minutes that as we look at this passage of scripture that you would clear our hearts and our minds and that we would be able to focus on what the Holy Spirit is teaching us that would be sensitive to his leading in our life, that would be sensitive to the words that we hear from, from this chapter in John. God, we ask that you would be honored, that you would be glorified with what goes on. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you have a copy of scripture, or if you have a John journal, by the way, we 
promote these every once in a while. We have journals of the book of John that have a passage and then a blank page. If you can write down thoughts, we have those available over by the coffee area. If you don't have the $5 for them, just let them know uh, that you don't or let them know that Barry is paying for your book and we want you to have one. Um, We're going through the book of John still over the next several months. We're just almost halfway through right now. But we come to this passage in John chapter 10 and we think about uh, what Jesus has been doing. This follows the Feast of Tabernacles in John chapter 9. And some commentaries will say, hey, this is the next day. Some will say this was several weeks down the road. We're not sure, but we do know it follows them remembering what Jesus did for them in the wilderness. And, and what he did for them, leading them by the pillar of fire and by the pillar of cloud each day. So they come to it, Jesus has just healed this blind man and he's having these conversations with the Pharisees, the religious people, the people that really had a problem with who Jesus was. And so John devotes his whole book to the idea of us understanding who Jesus is. And for some, we say, well, I know who Jesus is and yet Jesus time and time again reminds us who he really is. And so we come to John chapter 10 And here he is talking to the religious people and he says this in verse number one. He says, truly, truly, the idea of listen up and pay attention, this is important. I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Now the sheepfold here that he's referring to or this pen does not represent heaven. This isn't talking about being in heaven and people climbing over the wall and trying to take us out of heaven. That's not what that referring to. In fact, it's referring to the people in the world. And specifically, he's talking about the Jews here. He's talking to the Pharisees, the Jews, and he's saying, listen, you guys are in a sheepfold and people are trying to steal you away. He's referring to Ezekiel chapter number 34 which they should have known, but they still couldn't make the, the correlation. They couldn't make that connection that, hey, Jesus once again is referring to something that we've spent our whole lifetime studying. He's referring to an Old Testament prophet here. And then he refers to us as sheep. These sheep represent people. Through this passage, you're going to see it represents the Jews and the Gentiles. Now, I have been raised by a preacher. I have been preacher most of my life. And Many times I've heard preachers and I've said, sheep are dumb. And so that's kind of offensive, to be honest. And so I don't want to say that sheep are dumb. What I do want to say is sheep are dirty, timid, helpless, defenseless, vulnerable, gullible, constantly needing oversight, leading and rescue and cleaning or they will die. But sheep are not dumb. Now, for some of you, you're like, number one, I don't like being called sheep. I don't like being called dumb. I don't like being called dirty, timid, helpless, defenseless. But the problem is if we will humble ourselves and we will listen to what this passage has to say, we'll probably see some correlations between us and sheep. And part of me in there doesn't want to say, yeah, I'm dumb and I'm timid and I need help. I, don't, I like to figure things out on my own. I want to be my own man. I want to take a stand for what I know. And so things in this passage even push me and I know where we're going. But I want to ask you and I want to encourage you just over the next few minutes, if you'll just maybe let down your guard a little bit and see, am I really a sheep? And do I need a good shepherd? 
So Jesus goes on in this passage in verse number three, and he says this, to him, the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he was brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. The fact that we are sheep and God is willing to be our good shepherd is amazing, but the more amazing part of this is that he knows us by our names. He knows us by our names. He calls us out by name. Imagine Jesus knowing you so well that he knows you, your name amongst the millions and billions of people that have existed in all of society. Jesus knows you personally. I didn't write this message. Travis did. He's over in Lyon today at our other location speaking it. And in the notes, he said, hey, start calling people out by name in the auditorium. The problem is Travis is good with names and I'm horrible with names. And I know that if I stand up here and start calling people out, I'm going to screw something up. So I just go with general names like Bob, Fred, Bill, Todd. So if you're one of those guys, congratulations, I know your name. No, but I look at here and I see a row of friends of my daughters and I I know some of them, they've been to my house and I know who they are. It reminds me of people, how important we feel when someone important knows our name. I went, graduated from Bible college in 1994, Trinity Baptist College down in Jacksonville, Florida. And 10 years ago, I decided to get my master's degree and I got it through Trinity because they had a program if you graduated from them and and things like that. And so I was able to get a very affordable master's degree by going back through them. And I went down to graduate and the president and the pastor of the college saw me and he hadn't seen me for like 15 years and he called me out by name. I have to be honest, I felt, I felt a little taller that day. My chest got a little bigger because the president and pastor of this huge church knows me by name. I don't wanna tell you why he knew my name from college, but he knew my name. <laughs> And we we know how we feel when somebody that we value them knows us. And here's the thing is Jesus loves you so much, he knows your name. He knows you personally. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you to hear his voice. Revelation 3 verse number 5 says this, all who are victorious will be clothed in white. I will never erase their names from the book of life, but I will announce before my father and his angels that they are mine. Jesus thrills in knowing your name. He loves you. He's crazy about you. Don't ever doubt that he cares for you. Brings us to a question that we have to ask ourselves today is, what voice are we following in our life? What voice are we following? In this first century of sheep pens, there was two types. There was ones that were out in the country and then there was ones in the city. Many times they would take their sheep in the city to sell some, to be available for offer for sacrifice, things like that. But they would go into this pen where there were several flocks and there were several shepherds. And it was time for your flock to leave, that shepherd would stand at the gate and he would call the sheep out by name and they would recognize his voice. So see, sheep aren't dumb. They could recognize the shepherd's voice. They would listen to his voice and only his voice. Another shepherd could go and call them but they wouldn't respond because that wasn't their shepherd. Makes us think as sheep, whose voice do we listen to in our life? There's a lot of voices that speak into our lives these days. And what we have to be thankful for is we have a true shepherd. We have a good shepherd that wants to direct us. 
that wants to direct us, we have to think about what voices am I letting speak into my life? We have these devices that we carry around in our pocket or our purse or our hand that we literally can pull up so many media things on our uh, phone. There are so many apps that we can have, so many social media apps, so many news apps. There's so many voices that constantly bombard us. We can get three different views of a story by just pulling it up on our phone. Many of us, we allow that to constantly bombard us and speak into our life. I look at the young people in the room today and I think about how your friends speak into your life. You have the voices that you hear constantly more than your parents. We as parents, we understand it's important that our kids have the right kind of friends. It's important we say, hey, make sure you're hanging out. Who, who are you hanging out with? And, and parents, if you're not, you should. I think it's our God-given responsibility as parents to watch over our kids. And we should know who their friends are. We should know what they're being taught at school for eight hours a day. Think about the influence that those that teach your kids have. They spend so much more time with your kids than you do so many days. It's important to know what's being spoken to their hearts and into their lives. And we understand that as parents, but so many times we as adults, we forget that, you know what, we need to be with the right people too. You can go home today and if you don't like my style of preaching or don't like the way that I speak, you can get online and you can find somebody that you like. There's so many options. There's good options out there. There's people that, man, I listen to because I'm like, I, wanna, I wish I could preach like this guy. But there's also a lot of false voices out there. There's also a lot of false preachers that won't tell you the truth. Won't speak the word of God. They'll give their opinion of it or how they view it. And so many times it's so often people come with all these crazy views because they're listening to all the voices instead of spending time in the word of God. When you walk in today, you see on the wall out there this big ear. We call it our hear wall. What we're trying to encourage you to do this year is to spend time, a daily encounter with the word of God to allow God to speak to you. If this is the only time that you hear from God's word is when you come to church on Sunday, you're gonna starve, you're gonna listen to other voices. This isn't the only voice speaking into your life. You need to allow God's word to speak into your heart and your life. We wanna encourage you, celebrate the times that God speaks to you through scripture. Take one of those note cards out there and write down what he said to you. It was funny, the other week somebody wrote down Bengals over the Steelers. I was like, that's a weird thing to find in scripture, but okay. Then I think the Steelers won, so I don't know what Bible they were reading. <laughs> but please spend time in the word of God. And then when you come in, don't feel guilty when you see that wall, but celebrate the times that God's spoken to you and say, hey, I'm excited today that there's something I can write that God has spoken to me through his word. See, sometimes we can like Jesus, but we don't love what he says to us. The world is full of chaotic voices speaking into our life, and we need to hear his one true voice. The passage goes on in verse number six. It says, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. You know, many times... We surround ourselves with the wrong voices. There's a story of a herd of sheep in Turkey, a, a herd of, uh, uh, not a herd, I keep calling them herds. 
a flock of sheep of 1,500 sheep that went over a cliff. Basically what happened was several sheep accidentally fell off the cliff and the rest of them just followed them over the edge. And eventually there was enough dead sheep at the bottom that they were patting the fall of the other sheep falling on top of them. I got thinking about that this week and I feel like that's the world that we live in, isn't it? And unfortunately, we as Christians so many times, we do the same thing. We get some sheep that we follow or some sheep that we respect and when they fall off the cliff, we're like, well, we're gonna fall off the cliff with them. We've gotten away from the word of God speaking into our heart. Remember this truth found in Proverbs. It says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Young people, what friends are you following? What friends are you being influenced by? Are they pushing you off to fall off the cliff? Or maybe it's a little more subtle, like trying to get you to justify things that you know are wrong. Maybe they're not challenging you to follow Jesus. Maybe when you hang with them, it's become more of a gossip fest. Or we as adults, maybe we need to separate from some of the friends we have because of the things that they talk about and the things that they are concerned with are not the things that we should be. Don't let other sheep lead you astray. Jesus goes on in verse number nine. He says this, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Not only do we have a good shepherd who directs us, we also have a good shepherd who defends us. Good shepherd defends us. The shepherd would keep watch over his flock. Sheep are prone to wander, and every once in a while, one or two sheep would wander away. That sheep would fall to a wolf. Jesus is reminding us there are wolves, there are thieves in our life that have come to steal our joy, to steal our peace. They want to kill our dreams, our purity. They want to destroy our marriage and our reputation. You name it, they're after it. We have a a good shepherd that loves to defend us. The problem is sometimes we wander away from his protection, from his defense, and we try to protect ourselves. I have a picture up here of a sheep that has fallen over on its back. This is a real problem with sheep. It's being, if they're not groomed, if they're not maintained, the wool can become so heavy that they tip over and they fall and they can't get back up. And if a shepherd doesn't flip them back over, they'll eventually die of a heart attack from their internal gases buildup, or obviously they can be taken out by a predator. For some of us today, this might be where we're at. You might be in a position where you're downtrodden, where you're cast down, where you don't know how to get out of what you're in. Maybe it's a financial crisis. Maybe it's a marital crisis. Maybe it's a disease or an addiction. 
You're trying on your own strength to get out of it and to figure a way out, but you just can't. You keep getting knocked back down. There's been times in my life that I'm grateful for those that picked me back up when I was knocked down. I wish I could say that, hey, I've learned this lesson and when I get flipped over on my back and I don't have all the answers then I know to depend upon Jesus and let him defend me. But unfortunately, there's been many times in my life when I've tried to defend myself and I failed miserably. I'm thankful for godly parents and I'm thankful for godly friends that would come alongside of me and encourage me and pick me back up. I'm thankful for the faithfulness of God and his word that would speak into my life. He is the lifter of our head. He'll lift us up. He'll give us abundant life. Let him defend you. Rely upon him. Another way the sheep had protection was by staying in the flock. The shepherd would bring them back to the flock. He would want them to be around the other sheep because there was protection in numbers. Today, one of the safest places you can be is sitting here listening to the word of God being taught. You say, of course you'd say that. You're the pastor. You want us here. Yeah, you're right. Uh, You got me. You figured me out. We tricked you. Say, but you don't understand. I've been hurt by the church. Sometimes sheep bite. Sometimes they say things that hurt. Sometimes someone in the church will do something that isn't true, say something that is gossip about us. We have to remind ourselves the church is who Jesus gave his life for. If everyone in this church, if everyone in this flock was like you, what kind of church would we have? And for you that are watching online today, I hope that you don't use our online presence as an excuse not to be in church. Because there's something about coming together and being with the family of God and being with the congregation and singing songs to him in corporate worship and hearing from the word of God and encouraging each other in city groups and coaching groups. To see others get up and get baptized, to share their testimony with you that they've given their life to Christ. There's something about that that the world can't replace. And it brings protection in our life so that when we're flipped over on our back, somebody else can come alongside of us and pick us up and get us right back. The protection that the flock offers, the protection that the shepherd offers. Jesus goes on in verse number 16, he says this, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. Now, for you conspiracy theorists, this is like one of the greatest verses in scripture. Because you're like, this proves there are other universes out there and Jesus went to other earths and died for other people. And I agree that there are other universes out there. I don't know if I agree there are other people. There could be. But can I encourage you, when you study scripture, don't just take one verse and run with it. Because if you look at this passage, he's talking to Jews, and this other fold is the Gentiles. I don't even have to like pretend to find that in there. If you just read the whole passage, you're like, oh yeah, that probably makes sense. Now does that mean that there aren't other people that Jesus died for? I don't know, we'll ask him when we get to heaven, but there are a lot more important things to talk about right now. And Jesus is telling the Pharisees, hey, 
come for you, but I'm also come for the Gentiles. The gospel, the good news, isn't just for you, it's for everybody. Which for 99% of the people sitting in this room, I promise this is good news because we're the Gentiles. And Jesus came for us. Thank you for agreeing, Devin, all right? Verse 17, for this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? This last thought in here. When the shepherds would lead the sheep into the pen at night, usually they would have something built or they'd go into a cave, but there would only be one way in and one way out into that pen, into that cave, so that they could protect the fold. And the shepherd would sit in the door. He would sit in the door, not only to keep the sheep in, but also to protect them from anything trying to come from the outside in. And in this passage, what Jesus is trying to get the Pharisees and those listening to understand is, I'm not only the shepherd, I'm also the door. And today, we're the sheep. And we're in a fold. This world is full of people wondering. We got thinking about it and Travis talked to me about, imagine this room in here. We have seven, there's seven ways out of this room right now. If there was a fire, there's seven exits. There's one behind here, by the way, if there's, which it's a block building with steel. I don't think we have to worry about a fire. But if there was, there's seven entrances or seven ways we could escape. But imagine that those doors weren't available. And imagine a fire did break out in here and the smoke started to fill the room and there was no way out because all the entrances have been blocked. We can't get out. And suddenly, either through one of the entrances or through one of the walls, a hole appears and someone walks through that hole and they've knocked a hole in the wall for us to get out. I don't know about you, but if there was a fire in here and the choice was between burning or going out and getting some fresh air, being able to breathe and live, I would probably go through the door and so would you. I don't think any of you would stay in here and say, well, I don't know if that man was qualified to punch that hole in that wall. And I'm not even sure who that man is. Is he really, is he really there or is this just my imagination? Can I really put my trust in him? Because I don't know if I wanna go through that opening. Unfortunately, our world is full of people that Jesus comes into the fold and he knocks a hole through the wall and says, follow me. And some will sit there and they're like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to. I don't know if I can trust this guy. Jesus says, listen, I'm the good shepherd. I want to direct you. I want to lower the noise on all the voices that you hear in your life and I want you to follow after me. Not only do I want to direct you, I also want to defend you. He says, cast all your care upon me. 
Anything that you're carrying today, Jesus says, I'll carry it for you. Just give it to me. He said, in fact, come with me because if you bear my burden, my burden is light. My yoke is easy. David understood this. The most famous shepherd psalm there ever is, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And he says, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Jesus today, he's saying, I want you to leave this earthly pen and I want you to come to a heavenly pasture. There's only one way to do that. It's through the door, which is Jesus. You can't climb over the fence. You can't find another way in. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And today, if there's never been a time in your life when you've made that decision, listen, believing in Jesus is good. In fact, one of the stories says, I've always believed in Jesus, but he wasn't my own. Even the demons believe that Jesus exists. Believing in Jesus isn't enough to get us to heaven. We have to put our faith and trust in him and only him because he's the one that came to die for our sins. He's the one that paid the price on the cross. He's the one that rose three days later to show that he has power over sin and over death. Only he can satisfy that sacrifice. He says, I freely give my life for you because I want you to know you're mine. And I love you and I know you by name. So if we could just bow our heads in an attitude of prayer right now and if that's the desire that you have today. If you're honest with yourself and you say, you know what Barry, there's never been a time in my life when I've put my faith in Christ. Going to church is great, hearing about Jesus is great. Telling other people, you might have told other people who Jesus is, but has there been a time in your life when you said, today, I trust nothing else but you. Today, I put my faith and trust in you. It's not the good deeds that we can do. Jesus is the one that gave his life for salvation. There's nothing I can do to earn it. There's nothing I can do that will ever cause me to be worthy enough of salvation, but Jesus says, I love you so much, I'll do it for you. And so today, when we're in this attitude of prayer, if that's your desire, if you would just say something like this to him, say, God, I confess that I'm a sinner. And Jesus, I believe you are God. And I wanna thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I also want to thank you for rising from the dead. And today I lower my pride and I put my faith and my trust in you and only you. Thank you for paying for my sins. And Lord, for those that made that decision today, I ask that your Holy Spirit, even right now, would speak peace and comfort to their heart. Lord, Scripture teaches us that you're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We thank you for your free gift of salvation. God, I ask for those that are still searching today, that are still not sure, that your Holy Spirit would just draw them to yourself that they would understand their need for a savior, that they would feel the conviction of their sin, but also the love of the savior. 
Lord, thank you for being so faithful in our life. Thank you for being the good shepherd. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we just give it up for those that gave their life to Christ? If you gave your life to Christ today, we would love an opportunity to talk to you. And I want to encourage you, just tell somebody that you did that. Tell the person sitting next to you. You can catch me in the hall when you leave. You can fill out the card on your seat. There's a spot at the top that says, I made a, put my faith in Christ today. We try to make it as easy as possible. You can text the word Mile City to 94,000. There's a prompt that'll pop up about making a faith decision. But we want to encourage you in any way that we can. We want to answer any questions that you have. Moving together is better. And so please let somebody know that you put your faith and trust in Christ.